All right, so thank you guys for tuning in, man. We're here for another episode of Sports and Impact. This is a good friend of mine, Usama. Uh, we met back when we uh, we worked for an organization called Twist together, and uh, we met briefly a few times here and there because we kind of worked at different locations. Um, but today, today we're just going to kind of dive into your background a little bit as a as an athlete, as a strength conditioning coach. I got a few kind of personal questions I'd like to dive into as well. And again, we're just here trying to bring people together and uh, share some stories and some life lessons that sports has kind of taught us. Um, so you've got a unique background between playing, coaching, just like me and myself. Um, and you also have like some different backgrounds in terms of your education as well. So we'll dive into that a little bit. Uh, but quickly, like just give us a quick background into your family, where you grew up, uh, your passions and, and what you're kind of doing now. Awesome. My uh, mobile data, hopefully that'll be a little bit better. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we're good. Okay. Um, yeah, man, so uh, background-wise, uh, where do I start? Okay, so um, basically I'm from England, if you can't tell by the accent already. Uh, effectively, I kind of started off, um, my family is very, very academic-focused. Uh, so my background in sport really didn't start. I had my first introduction to... Um, cricket was actually the sport that I was first introduced to and that was the one that I got decent at um, and kind of played that um, but yeah no, um, my, um, grew up in England uh, very focused on kind of academics as is kind of my whole family and that's uh, where the so sports were a little bit of like a, sports were the hobby hmm. um, and I never actually knew that there was any career in sport other than obviously being an elite athlete hmm. um, and then kind of I got into uh, basically, I'm going to kind of fast forward to the story sure. a little bit, but uh, yeah, man, um, played cricket, uh, picked up basketball in high school. Hmm. Um, and it's funny, I, I used to play basketball every day of high school um, for like two or three hours hmm. with one of my uh, friends who played for the team, uh, Wales basketball team um and he actually taught me how to do my first layup like oh, wow. I'm, I'm telling you when when, it, when i'm talking about like shoddy talent that was me in terms of putting a basketball in my hand but hey right. man the first time i got i got a layup down i learned how to box out and everything like that um and then i just started playing for the high school basketball team and I absolutely loved it and one of the things that i did um as an athlete in high school was, I used to love going to the gym, absolutely loved it. Uh, we had like, you know, the bare bones gym where everything is attached onto one um, rim. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. You've got the leg press, you've got the pull-up bar, you've got the bench press that's attached and everything like that. And so me and this guy, we used to go, um, I only ever used to train chest and triceps, <laughs> that was it the bench press and then triceps because that's all I knew um, I was on that you know that old, old school Rocky hype where, where we all thought that bicep curls were going to make you right. uh, you know an athlete kind of thing um, so I used to do that and we used to play basketball and man honestly the main thing uh, for me was just I absolutely fell in love with the grind of like sports just mm. in general um, I, I never played any sport to uh, a super elite level but I absolutely loved playing sport I just loved getting involved mm -hmm. um, and that sort of like turned into an actual gym membership when I was 16 I joined with my older brother initially the plan was for three months because we thought that in three months you can you know get everything that you want in the gym uh, out, out of the gym so we, we kind of went to the gym and just you know as the standard things you watch what the big guys are doing mm -hmm. you do that 
hope that it's going to make you an athlete um, and also like look like that. Obviously, there's a lot more that goes into it knowing yeah. now. Um, but yeah, no, that's kind of... And, and then again, same thing with the gym. I fell in love with the grind and not... Um, the, the results that came from it were great and they did translate through to the sport. But the main thing for me was just like... The best thing, the best thing about the gym was that the barbell doesn't care who you are. It doesn't yeah. care what problems you have. It doesn't care anything. You're either going to lift it or you're not going to lift it. That's facts. And when you don't lift it, it's a super awesome experience, right? And that's what I loved about it because um, I, I, I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit later. But uh, that that was the biggest thing was um, was the resilience of having to fight under that barbell. Mm-hmm. It is great to carry over through the sports and, and through life. So um, when I went to university, um, finished high school, I studied, I've got a super non-traditional background in terms of sport. Um, I studied uh, chemical engineering at university. So for those that don't know what chemical engineering is, a chemist makes this much perfume. Uh, a chemical engineer takes whatever processes uh, that it took to make that amount of perfume and then makes it on a larger scale. So basically, they work within the process of making a small volume of something into a large volume of, of something. Effectively, that's one of the roles that a chemical engineer can play. So I studied chemical engineering and at um, university, again, I loved the grind. I wasn't necessarily all about like you know um, being super amazing at the sport, but one sport that caught my eye was actually football. And when I say that by my accent, I think a lot of people think soccer. Yeah. I mean American football. Um, and I was actually speaking to Chad Owens on my live the other day about this, my first experience of putting a helmet on. Because I thought, oh, man, I've been going to the gym since I was 16. I'll, I'll, it'll be easy with, with these guys because football in England is a little bit, obviously, it's grown as a sport now, but when I was playing it, it was still growing. Right. Um, but, yeah, first time I put a helmet on and, and pads like obviously felt super clunky and heavy and i went in i, I think it's been banned right now the oklahoma drill oh yeah it's it has kinda, been banned, right yeah it's not really a yeah. safe thing to do these days there's better ways to teach tackling in my opinion One hundred thousand percent, and obviously like it, it's like that worldwide now they don't mm-hmm. really do it anymore uh, but we did it uh and I, I, I was the running back, carrying the ball, coach just like, whatever you do, don't let go of that ball, and just keep driving those feet, simple as that. I got hit by the starting linebacker on our team, and I got hit so hard that my helmet came off, Jeez. I fumbled the ball, and I'm just there on my butt, like, that's it, man. Um, and I'm there, I'm first year of university, I'm crying my eyes out, like, I'm not going to make the team first and foremost, but also, like, you know, you know, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not meant for this. Mm. And one of the starting running back came over to me and he was just like look man this is not part of the process that's right, all right. this is like you get knocked down today so that you can learn how to drive your feet tomorrow that's you don't get knocked down today just so you can get knocked down you get knocked down today so that you can learn the lesson of how to not get knocked down mm-hmm. next time you're in that same position and man that's what i love about training too is that training in the gym or whatever it is for your sport or every single time you put yourself through that training you are literally causing physical trauma to your body and the way that you adapt from that trauma is your body's like whoa hey i don't want to do that again i don't want that to feel like that again so it adapts mm-hmm. and you get better exactly. like that. yeah 100% better about football was, it just taught me that and um yeah man fast forward the next year i worked hard in the gym and on the field to try and make myself a better player i became captain of that 
University of American football team, and then for the next four years, I was consecutively captain of, of my uh, American football team at university. Uh, and the biggest thing from there was, and this is kind of how I got into coaching, um, the biggest thing for me was, again, I wasn't the best player on the team, but I definitely count myself as one of the hardest workers on the team. Mm -hmm. So I was always just trying to make sure that I'm better. Like every single time I'm on the field, can I just do my job? And can I lead by that example of exactly. like, well, I'm not trying to make the best play, the biggest play. I'm not trying to make the biggest hit every time. I'm not trying to blow the offensive line up or whatever. I'm just trying to do my bit. Mm -hmm. um, and if I do my job and 10 other guys on the field do their job, well, then there's no way they're making that even a yard forward mm -hmm. because everyone's done their job. Um, and that's kind of the way that I took that leadership role. And then from that, man, I met uh, the awesome head strength and conditioning coach at the university in my second, first, second year of playing. Uh, he was also the defensive coordinator of the team. He kind of took me on as an intern. Uh, I was one of the first interns in that whole like elite sport performance program. Man, he absolutely, shout out to Simon Vardy. If he watches this, then great. Um, but he was my absolute first mentor in terms of showing me what real strength, not like Jim Bro, Mm. lifting but what real strength and conditioning can do for you as an athlete right and how if you put your time and you're into it like how much it can benefit you um especially someone coming from a background that didn't play contact sports or anything like that mm -hmm. like me that was a big deal for me um and yeah genuinely my first kind of recognition has to go to simon body he was an unreal coach um and he just had this this era of intensity about him all the time i i was known as the guy the only guy on the field that could make that dude smiling because he was always serious and everything like that i came with the jokes as always but i'm like that was my kind of transition into coaching was he really set the bar for me as to what a strength and conditioning coach is like because if he spoke to any other coaches always a super humble dude never kind of bragging about his knowledge or anything like that but straight up like he just knew everything obviously you know we're always learning as coaches and i'm sure he would say the same thing but comparatively to everything that I knew, like he knew everything and mm -hmm. he kind of brought me up to realize that actually, man, there is a legitimate career where you can take the talents and, and skills that you've learned over the sporting career that you had. There is a legitimate career in coaching. And, yeah. and I think it's something you say all the time, impact over income, right? 100%. Like you can have a real impact on, and I think you, uh, the last um, uh, live that you did with one of the coaches um, that you had on you said that man that's why i love coaching you know the youth high school age because there's so much that you can give to those guys absolutely man. um in terms of that personal development thing and then yeah 100 from there uh i made the transition I, I got married to my wife i met her at university amazing um, literally we were just friends for a year and a half and then i just asked her to marry me wow. um, good for uh, you man then, good for you yeah man yeah, man, you gotta you gotta catch your chips, man. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm punching definitely. So, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, man. So I, I um, my wife Rachel, she's studying a PhD at uh, the University of Toronto, uh, and that's kind of how we got the ticket to coming over here. And from day one, I came here in 2016. We moved here in 2018. In 2016, I was kind of looking at Toronto and, and being like, man, this is the place yeah. to be if I want to up my game as a strength and conditioning coach because there's so much available here. 
the infrastructure differences between the UK in terms of that elite youth sport and an elite sport, totally different in terms of the infrastructure here uh, versus in the UK. In the UK, there's not a lot of money behind it. You have to already be an elite athlete to receive that kind of support in terms of strength and conditioning, uh, nutritional support, everything. Whereas here, they have those infrastructures in place. If, if you want it, it's there. Do you know right. what I mean? Um, and that's why kind of I, I, I jumped it, jumped on board as soon as the opportunity to come to Canada came in, and, and that was actually where we met. Um, I spoke to Scott Atkins of Twist Performance and Wellness. Uh, he was very um, like lovely enough to offer me a job at the Twist Mississauga, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, we we met um, obviously when I came to Richmond Hill, and, and I think we just clicked from there, bro. Yeah, man, trust um, me. So yeah, I got a I got so a question. Kind of my so yeah. I got a question about have you have you watched any like college football here in Canada like OUA or U Sports football? Have you taken in any of the gameplay of that since you've yes. been here? Yeah. So can you can you can you compare like the level of of compete or like just like the gameplay in general from the U? I know it's a different game because we play obviously Canadian yeah. football rules, but like in terms of the the competition level, do you think it's on par? Or where do you think like UK might be lacking a little bit, or maybe the opposite way around? Maybe Canada's lacking a little bit in 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 that sense of the word. chat about this right that the canadian game in terms of the way that it works is obviously a lot faster but outside Mm -hmm. of the actual canadian rules Mm -hmm. versus you know the american rules the english american football game obviously it's still in the stages of like um you know becoming a a bigger sport in the uk so so the biggest thing is uh, in my eyes, you have kind of like three levels of not hierarchy, but three three levels of support behind the game, right? You've got the Canadian game, which is here. You, you know, if you go to a university that is like big on football, like Mac or, you know, Guelph or something like that, they, they have lots of fans watching their game, lots of people tuning in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in the UK, you don't necessarily have that. Like, you play football because you want to play football, mm-hmm. not because people know football is an awesome thing to do. Right, right, I got you. And then in the States, it's a different beast. The college game in the States is is straight up, like, it's basically pro sport in terms of the way that they organize the game. Um, Whereas I think, and that's actually, honestly, one thing that I I love about Canadian football, and and to to a degree, the same can be said about UK football, aside from the rule differences that we play the American game there, Mm. man, like, if you don't love the sport, there's no place for you within that sport. Like, if you don't absolutely love what you do every single day, then there's no place for you in the Canadian or the UK game. Right. Because nobody necessarily, or not as many people, especially in the UK, care that you play the game of football. Mm. So you got to really want to play the game of football, right? Because I, I think there's something to be said about the hype that's created about the American game. That's why a lot of kids play it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think, obviously... Football here is coming up in that same way as it's coming up in the UK, but the main difference is, yeah, just like the level of support and infrastructure hmm. here is a lot more like the American system compared to the UK. The UK is a little bit further back. You have one or two universities, and then you have one or two big academies that send guys to the States hmm. um, on like scholarships and stuff like that, uh, to like JUCO to start off oh, with cool. and stuff like that. You have a few organizations like that, but they've only propped up in the last two years so since really? i've been in canada that, that's when those things have been big so now in the, in, in the uk they've got obviously the cfl global combine yep. comes out yep. every year um they've got the nfl glo- 
academy. So now oh, they're doing this, they're bringing rugby prospects and, and hmm. kids that as, as young as like 14 into the NFL academy and basically they get schooling, they get training, they get American football training and they get wow. guys from the NFL that made it from the UK games, the so guys like JJ, right. FA Obada, Christian Wade, they all come down to that academy and they will help coach as well. Wow. So like, it's awesome man, like honestly, football in the UK is going to become a big thing because we played with some absolute ballers, they are freaks of nature. Yeah, I believe it, man. If you get a good football player in the UK, they are unreal. Like, there's this dude that um, I didn't have the pleasure of playing with, David Insignot, man, absolute Mm. freak of nature. He's uh, he was going to come to the CFL International Combine, but uh, he he obviously got cancelled and everything like that. But yeah, bro, that that's kind of the main uh, the main difference. I think that's something that a lot of people don't know about the UK Mm -hmm. is that. the game of football is becoming a huge thing for sure. Well, the other football is so well known there, right? Like soccer, but so obviously the reputation coming from that is and rugby. Obviously, rugby's huge in 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 um in in England. So there's obviously a pool of talent in terms of like skill position players, even linebacker players. You know that type of stuff. Those kind of transfer over, right? Um, and we were kind of diving. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Um, yeah, no, the, the main thing is, uh, obviously, if you've got the rugby players, like, physically, they have most of the skills that you'd require uh, from American football, yep. football, if not all of them. I think the main difference is some rugby players find it difficult, and that's what we found while playing the university game, too. Guys that would transition over from rugby just found the energy system a little bit different. Yep. Because yeah. it's that quick burst, anaerobic, you know, ATPCP a- a- system. Mm-hmm. You get six seconds per play, and then you gotta chill for like thirty to a minute. Then you gotta go again. Mm-hmm. Whereas rugby is a little bit more aerobic in that sense of just like yeah. obviously still a fast-paced game, but when you're away from the ball, you're still moving. You're not necessarily stopped. Mm-hmm. And I also think like I played rugby so, yeah. in going through high school, and then a couple years after high school when I was playing university ball. And a big thing I noticed the difference of is rugby's a lot more like it's a free-flowing game, right? In football, a lot of things are dictated by the coach. Uh, or the coaches that are involved in playing, a co- yeah. making the play calls. So there's a lot more structure, which is great for you know people trying to develop that aspect of of, of sport. But it's it's a mental transition for rugby players to kind of get into that. Like, oh, I got to go right here, and then that's my steps have to be almost choreographed. Like in rugby, it's very pop pop, do your thing, and just find space, yeah. right? And not to say football is not like yeah, that. You're just to the game as opposed to exactly, exactly. And it's not to say football is not like that, but. Because obviously if a receiver catches the ball in open space, it becomes a lot like rugby. Or if a running back's in open space or you get a pick or whatever. But there's obviously the going forward aspect. Rugby, you're always passing backwards. And that's also another kind of movement skill that needs to be trained more in, in, in football. But you still develop that hand-eye coordination, catching the ball, and then making decision-making. I think the reactive agility aspects of, of football and, and rugby really kind of go hand-in-hand. Hand. And it's a it, here in Canada, it's it's kind of a good sport to... If you're in high school, you're playing football in the fall and you're playing rugby in the, in the spring, and maybe you take your winter to train. So it's kind of that good uh, split, split to develop that multi-sport aspect kind of things, right? 100%. And that's the multi-sport point man like so Rachel my wife does a lot of research in terms of athlete transitions and stuff like that Hmm. and like you see it with guys like Mahomes Kobe Bryant stuff like that like some elite elite athletes at the top of their game they were all multi-sport when they were younger anyway Mm -hmm. so I think that's an awesome thing if if you're playing rugby and football and then having to win it to be able to train as well like man you know hopefully you can 
Canada can build some unreal athletes out of that system of just being a, a similar sport but not quite the same. And then as a result, that multi-sport, because there's so much research in multi-sport athletes mm-hmm. being less injury-prone, you know, um, less uh, kind of... They get less bored with the sport and yeah. stuff like that as well. So it's yeah. just, yeah, it's crazy. It's so key, isn't it? Well, early specialization is a... Is a problem for a lot of sports here in Canada you're starting to see it at a young age like hockey is obviously a big one where people are just other oh, kids are only doing hockey and you know we kind of saw it in the twist world right where so many people were invested in 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 training and it had to be hockey specific or it had to be this but branching out into that multi-sport you develop so much more athleticism playing other sports spatial awareness stuff that you're not going to be able to really train in in the weight room that you kind of have to go you know think outside the box in that in that certain sense and which is why you know you see guys like Pat Mahomes even Michael Jordan right? like Michael Jordan did on too right but uh, Bo Jackson all those guys they're they're the elite of elite and they were the elite of the elite in, in multiple sports right 100% man like and, and that's it you know um, I think I was reading something about LeBron James being you know um, told off uh, for play, playing uh, football in mm. his senior year, so that's why he didn't play football in his senior year. But he was like the number one weight weight receiver in uh, Ohio. I think yeah, yeah, like, he was an All American and everything in his junior year. Bro, that's just that's mad. Well, that tells you everything you need to know about early specialization, right? Exactly. But honestly, on that point, I think the youngest kid I've seen so far, and that was a shock to me because that's not a thing in England. The youngest kid that I saw was a, a nine-year-old triple-A hockey player. Hmm. And even the kid is, like, so invested in, in you know, great dude, hmm. but so invested in hockey. He's like, hockey is my life, everything. And I'm like, that's awesome. I'm like, I hope you make it. But I think as strength and conditioning coaches for those super young athletes, one, the, probably the best thing that we could do if it was possible, uh, in the private sector, it's a little bit less possible, but the best thing that we could have done for those kind of guys is, like, give them a soccer ball during the yeah. strength and conditioning training sessions, right? Like, yeah. just play soccer for half an hour. Build some movement skill through just doing something different, right? For sure. I totally agree, yeah, man. man. I totally agree. I kind of wanted to go back a little bit onto, we were kind of talking about energy systems. I know you touched upon it with uh, with Chad yesterday. Um, and we kind of dove into, like, the difference of the CFL and the NFL in terms of um, the, the time in between plays and uh, how that yeah. kind of makes... From a strength conditioning perspective, you got to look at your conditioning uh, in a different light. If you're training an NFL guy, you're training a CFL guy. It obviously it'll be very similar, but with half the amount of time, so it's 40 seconds in between NFL plays and 20 seconds in the CFL. And if you're looking at if you're looking at like that's obviously half the amount of recovery time. So you might be in the CFL, you might be sliding. Obviously, you're still in that ATP kind of phosphocreatine energy system, but you might have to slide into the more glycolytic kind of like a hockey player, right? Um, what do you think, like, in terms of how you would change some, some conditioning? What, what, what do you think in terms of that? Well, so here's the thing, right? The ATP-CP, so that um, phosphocreatine system that we're talking about, right? That, on average, like, the max that you get out of that is probably about, I think the research differs on it, but, like, 12 to 15 seconds, absolute max. More like 10-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, then you get into that glycolytic system. But here's the thing with that ATP system. Use it, you use it once. It takes on average eight minutes for it to recover. Wow. Which means that if I'm in the gym and I'm doing a super explosive movement that takes takes me five minutes, on average for the ATP systems to to reach baseline again, it takes eight minutes. Now, obviously, in in a gym training session, we don't have that 
level of luxury mm-hmm. in terms of I'm trying to do like max power for an athlete to for us to rest eight minutes. One, they're going to get bored, and two, we're going to be there for three hours. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, so actually, I think it's a blessing in disguise in terms of being here and being able to train your CFL players. Um, if you're getting twenty seconds between, like honestly, I don't think we have to change up the training that much because. Mm-hmm. There's going to be probably second or third set that you're not really using that ATP PCR system to its max anyway. Right. It's kind of what like what your sport's going to be like anyway. Mm. I think training the NFL guy, the difference would be we have to be a little bit more meticulous in terms of those rest periods, right? So like mm. maybe not we can't rest eight, but we have to rest five. Right. Like I, I can't you. have you if I'm trying to work on max power or like sub max repeated effort power. I can't have you resting eight minutes it's not sustainable but i also can't have you rest in two mm-hmm. because then we're working we are genuinely working a totally different energy system yeah. but obviously you know it, the, it's not perfect in terms of the way that you train i think it you hit a super important point though that like at the elite elite level you genuinely do need to have a look at that and, and i think the rest periods can be a little bit more laxed with cfl players because genuinely like you said they don't get as much time to recover mm-hmm. but I think that so the way that I've done it with uh, like some of the CFL guys that I have trained, um, the main thing is I'm just looking at like if you're a CFL guy, I'm just looking at drop off in performance and how I can maintain that. So I'm not looking at like resting five, six, three, four, whatever minutes. I'm just like looking at you. Let's say we've done a set of like explosive rotational med ball thrusts. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at you and your body and what, the way that you're responding to the rest before I say, all right, next set. So I might right. tell you it's like two, but if you're if you're coming after two and you're like gassing and you don't look like you're ready to give me five maximal efforts mm-hmm. again, then well, we're, we're resting three. I'll, I'll just chat to you a little bit longer and stuff like that, right? Um, but I think it's super important to just take that note into training that like, yeah, man, may, maybe, maybe we do just shorten the rest periods just a little bit, but like, Again, we can we can mess with the rest periods just because you said it was three in your program doesn't mean it has to be three. Exactly. Yeah. Like you have to look at that because maybe maybe our progression over four weeks is we did three sets of five med ball throws either way, mm-hmm. and maybe our progression is you took three minutes to get back to that level of power, and next week you only took two and a half or mm-hmm. two minutes and fifty seconds. Like I can keep the reps, the sets, the intent, everything the same, mm-hmm. but your rest period has gone down. Now you're getting better at your sport. Because right. you've given me a max effort, whatever it is, sprint, and your rest time has come down. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And then closer yeah. to the season, the way that that programming would be, would be then we start to work within those genuine time periods. Like we're, we're doing a little bit more conditioning work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then because, and, and, and the session is a little bit shorter, but we're working in everything within that that kind of time frame and then obviously you're doing your skill work that you need to do as an athlete yourself and you know the two then marry very well together but I, that's the way that I've been progressing it with the guys that I've been training that play football is that like well let's just not let's not look at you know how how how, how many reps and sets you're doing on a pirate side let's just look at your recovery time right let's just look at how efficient you are at getting back to that sub max power effort again because that's Fundamentally, you're never at max power when you're um, when you play the game of football. It's true. It's Literally true. Literally, after the first snap, you're not. Yeah, exactly. You're going all out the first <laughs> so, uh, snap. 
But I think that's it going back to the point of, of making sure you're, you're, as a coach, you're putting in that coach's eye and you're taking into consideration the quality of their movement, right? And that's very, very important when it comes to progressing or regressing if you have to as well, right? If, if, if you notice, like you said, the guy's sloppy when he's doing his rotational toss, there's no point in making him do the extra three, four reps or however many reps you kind of have prescribed. And plans are always made to change, right? Plans are they're there for the structure, but I don't necessarily kind of yep. look at it as a scripted point of, point of view. For sure. Um, no, I totally agree with that, man. And, and I think one of the biggest things is uh, when I'm programming for an athlete, um, or if any coach is programming for an athlete, or if an athlete's programming for themselves, look more at you have kind of two types of plan. You have the global plan, and then you have the local plan. Hmm. So the like global that. plan is, is, is something that's like, okay, here are the adaptations, or here's the skills that I've taken from looking at the way that you play your sport, and here's the adaptations that I want from those skills. Hmm. And then the local plan is, okay, I'm not looking at an adaptation, I'm looking at a measurable. Right. So an adaptation would be, right, you, you, you recovered 10 seconds faster. You have adapted to this kind of training. Um, uh, an actual, uh, a kind of like goal-oriented thing would be, today you lifted 315 pounds on the barbell. Now, that is way less important, especially at the elite well, at all levels, um, I, that's way more important at the, at the youth level. I think in terms of us as coaches, we can be so focused on the programming that it's like we, we forget the global plan of like, okay, these are the adaptations that I need to that I need to have happen in this training program. Let me not think about the weight that they're lifting, and let me think about how do I get to this adaptation. Which is why I think it's so key for strength coaches to train youth athletes to like add some games and stuff. Yeah. You're still going to get those adaptations, but we're thinking about the global plan and not the I'm super serious. I'm thinking about how much weight you're going to lift and stuff like that. Because that's a honestly, that's a very outdated mentality of coaching, yeah. right? Like, I don't care what your one rep max is anymore. Mm-hmm. So, I got to think about what adaptations am I trying to get and then how do I get there? That's how I can assess my program and this success, right? Absolutely, man. I definitely agree. Uh, we got a question here from one of uh, his name's Noah. He plays baseball over at uh, Queens University. He was uh, he was asking, would you adapt nutrition based on the energy system you plan on training, or would you keep it fairly similar? My advice on that, or perspective on that, is I'm not really too uh, well versed in the nutrition side of things. I think having just that general guideline of nutrition um, in terms of getting your healthy fats and your healthy carbs, uh, you're getting a lot of protein. That's going to give you that base foundation in terms of seeking out any any adaptations from the training side of things um i don't know if if they would actually have any if like if you if you follow a certain nutrition plan i think if it's that's very like nutrition is very individualized and i think that's why it you you've got to go through a long process to be a registered dietitian or even just a, a registered nutritionist um and i think you know again just getting that base level of nutrition into your body and then maybe looking into tracking some things as well um to see what you know how your body reacts to certain amount of proteins or carbs in your in your in your diet, um, and and seeing those numbers in front of you, that might give you a, you know, you can you can change your nutrition based on that. But I think just having that foundation is what's more important than looking into the small individual perspectives on that. What do you think? What do you think in terms of nutrition? Um, again, we'll talk about it in terms of that global versus local plan, right? Like I don't have time in my season or even in the off season to be worried about the local plan. Like I want. X metabolic flexibility. I want to be able to burn fats and oxidize fat better mm. than oxidized carbohydrate and stuff like that. I think that's a very 
it can almost you can fall into a rabbit hole thinking about that kind of stuff as an athlete and also as a coach right mm-hmm. uh, the main thing is as you said make sure that the diet is optimized you know in terms of like the protein the healthy fats like you said getting the carbs at the right time making sure that mm-hmm. they're the right kind of carbs as well um, but here's the thing man like honestly you could be an elite level athlete on pop tarts you really could now your digestive system might be terrible and everything like that, which is why you got to look at it. But let's just look at the global plan of like, like look, man, my nutrition fuels my training. But yeah. here's the thing with every single one of those energy systems that we talked about, man, anything that you put in your body can be converted to glucose, which right. can then help all of those energy systems. So why do we need to worry about it? My answer is honestly, like if you're, if you want those 1% gains and stuff like that as an athlete, 100% consult the nutritionist because they will have an idea of, of what you need. Mm-hmm. But as a strength coach, if anyone asks me about like, how do I optimize my nutrition? My main thing is like, well, what, what, what are you, tr- are you eating like an athlete? Right. Quote, right? Are you getting that protein in there to make those adaptations in terms of that muscular development that you want? Are you, are you taking the right supplements? If you're taking any, um, are you making sure that honestly a big one for athletes is are you making sure you're actually eating enough yeah like any athlete in season that is on uh, and I've seen a lot of it that is on like a cutting diet man you need to, yeah. you need to like think about the sport right just fuel mm-hmm. yourself that, that's the main thing and, and don't worry about too much about the calories don't worry too much just get protein in get some healthy fats in there because that's going to help regulate hormone levels and stuff like that get some carbohydrates in there too man like uh, don't worry too much about kind of thinking you know the the, getting into the nitty-gritty about it i think that's something that a lot of athletes miss right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. awesome man no i totally agree um yeah so let's kind of dive into the next kind of portion that we want to get into so any kind of strategies that you have, like, I mean, you guys were talking with, uh, with Chad yesterday about the kind of the mama mentality and that mental side of, of sport as well. Um, so, I mean, when it comes to developing some of those non-physical traits, what are some strategies that you have or some advice that you give out to your athletes uh, when it comes to trying to build those up? Um, honestly, bro, the, the biggest thing is uh, building a super consistent mentality with everything that you do. Like, and that goes through everything. So here's my thing, right? Coming from an academic background, right? And we talked about uh, how I came from the chemical engineering background. And, and in chemical engineering, I've worked on, on, on a plant so, and, and worked within basically my job was to monitor the process and to check different parts of the process, make sure the right things are going into the tanks at the right time, at the right flow rate, everything like that. And then you get the final product. Mm-hmm. So my biggest thing for a lot of athletes is, um, especially at the youth level, is making sure that every single thing that they do, they think about it like part of the process, mm-hmm. right? And, and consistency is key, and we've talked about that before, but it's the thing, training is part of your process, 100%. No athlete really has a problem with training. Yeah. Sleep, part of your process, mm-hmm. 100%. If you are not sleeping right, your process is going to be all off because the next day's training gets affected by this guy here. And I'll just mm-hmm. give a quick example. Our guy, Kian Schaefer Baker, who was in the CFL combine, absolutely tore up the regional combine. Crushed it. He got a 40 on the, on the day. Wow. Now, prior to that, a week before, he wasn't sleeping properly. So this is a week before. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and this is why I always say sleep is basically free gains, right? A week yep. before he wasn't sleeping, we tested vertical the week before it was 36 inches on average so he grew he had a he had a four inch vertical increase 
by just sleeping better. Now, he was he was at a 39.5 right. the week before that, but then he had a week of bad sleep and it dropped by 3.5, and then he started questioning the training. Hmm. My only advice, bro, let's stop worrying about the training. I want you to make sure that you go to bed at this time and you wake up at this time every single day. He did it for a week. The day before combine, we hit 40 inches. Crazy. Then he hit it's it again the next day. Yeah. And then he did it again because he slept really well. Um, and that's why I call sleep free gains. Like, they literally are. It's absolute free gains. So that's one of the parts of the process. And a lot of athletes get that wrong, I think. Mm-hmm. The last part of the process, obviously, the nutrition and the recovery aspect, right? You need to make sure that you put in just the right things generally at the right time. And you're also making sure that you recover properly. Now, one of the tools that I give to my athletes and part that fourth part of the process, and we're talking about, you know, that's what builds the product on the plant, and the final product is you becoming a better athlete or winning the game or whatever. I think what a lot of athletes are really good at is being super consistent with the things that are involved in their sport. So everything, training, sleep, nutrition, you can be really good at that. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, a lot of youth athletes don't do their homework. They yeah, don't do their yeah. homework on time, bro. And that's a bit, that's a key thing, and it's nothing to do with your athleticism. No. Nope. But if you set aside every single day, I gotta make sure I do my homework. What you're telling yourself is at this point in this day, the thing that I hate the most, and most student athletes hate hate doing homework, the thing that I hate the most, I'm making sure that I put in the time to do it. Mm-hmm. And what that builds is that resilient mentality of like it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter what you think, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, right? It doesn't matter what you think. You just gotta get it done. That's yep. it. And I think that's what the mamba mentality is, is. It's not about like not sleeping. It's not about not eating for three days in a row and prioritizing training. It's just about being being able to make sure that no matter what, you have a killer mentality with everything that you do in your life. That, that means your relationships. And a lot of the time, one of the things that I said, we have this thing with our athletes at the ATC where we speak to them before the training session. And one thing that I said um, to them is I asked these, these athletes a question that when you go to a public toilet, let's say you've gone to Walmart and you need to take a whiz, right? You've gone to the public toilet and you've seen that there is, you know, we all over the toilet seat or sometimes even other stuff all over the toilet seat. Are you the kind of guy that also doesn't then care that they're we on the toilet seat? Hmm. Or are you the kind of guy to, if there's a little bit of mess on the toilet seat, you do your business and then you just get rid of everything. So the next guy can can be that you've set an example for the next guy that really reveals character right 100 percent, most mm. of them but like and this is a quote that i heard we, we treat a toilet as though we're never going to need it again right mm. i think if you can build these habits in every single day in your life like if you're going to the public toilet and you piss on the toilet seat well clean it up man that's yours yeah. that is something that you've left now for someone else and that's their problem yeah right and i know it's Stupid example, but it's one example that like always hits on because it's a little bit of a laugh. But legit, man, if you're if you're not taking care of every bit of the process, and that includes the way that you are around people and what you give to other people, then you're, fa- you're failing as an athlete. Mm-hmm. Because the great thing that athletes have, and you see all the greatest ones in the world doing it, is they have a platform to allow other people to succeed off their light that they shine. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing for me is, is as an athlete, man, if you can take care of the little things that then affect the person behind you, taking care of yourself is not going to be an issue. That's, that's like second. I, I can do that every single day now because mm-hmm. I'm worried about how I'm going to affect other people too. It goes back to that same football 
for example, you're one guy on a field of 10 or 11 other people. If you do your job, you pave the way for other people to do their job. I and it. I think that's what's key, man. Like, you got to pave the way for people to do their job. That's why, you know, I, I try to do that every single day in my work. And I see you doing the same thing, man. And I think that's so key. Uh, as coaches, we got to set the example too, right? i got to train as a coach. Because if I don't train, how my athletes going to know how hard to train? Yeah. Or how consistently to train? Do you know what I mean? Like, For sure. I might not be the best athlete, but i got to train. Exactly. Yeah, no doubt. And... I mean, I think you hit the nail right on the head there when you talk about character, right? Character, it sets, you know, talent sets the floor, but character is going to set the ceiling. And, and when you develop those positive character traits, they're going to, it's going to evolve into positive relationships, right? And all those type of things. And, and you just treating each other with some compassion and treating each other with, um, you know, some genuine care in your heart, I think goes a long way to, to other aspects in life, whether it's your work life, your school life, um, your relationships that you have with your family, with your friends. Um, if you just genuinely care about people and show that and you, you trust in that process and everything else kind of falls into place, like you said, 100% brother, that's it, man. That, that is literally all that you got to do. That is what God has put you on the earth to do, right? It's just, you got to fulfill your purpose so that other people, other people can fulfill theirs. And it's as simple as that. And I think that's the one tool if I could give to any athlete that I would love to give is that compassion for others, because then mm -hmm. your work is so much more than just about you becoming an athlete. For sure, man. For sure. Well, that's awesome, man. I think we're going to wrap up. But uh, if you could leave us with anything, what do you think? Uh, what would you leave us with? What would you, Sama, leave us with in terms of life, sport, anything, man? Anything. Hit us with it. Um, I think the biggest thing uh, probably that I'd, I'd want to leave right now is in this time of, you know, uncertainty. I think a lot of athletes, uh, uh, you know, and coaches and pretty much everyone, they're worried about, you know, how life is going to pick up and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, once this whole thing's over and the truth of the matter is you don't know when it's going to be over right um, yeah. the biggest thing that i would i guess implore people to do not give because i have to also do this is just make sure that whatever it is in life that you're doing right now you are taking the opportunity to be one percent better every single day because mm -hmm. by the time this is over if you've been thinking in that one percent better mentality man you're going to be so successful by the end of it no doubt. but it's just about making sure that we gotta everyone's gotta do their bit just give one percent better you know feed that feed into that positive energy mentality right i mm -hmm. I, I love what the instagram world has been doing right now yeah. yourself included in terms of like bringing people together to have these conversations stuff like that but 100 man just just get one percent better every day make sure that it's happening every day and guaranteed we will all come out of this on, on the other side just you know ain't about how you go through hell it's how you come out on the other side I love it, man. And that's, that's some great advice, man. And I appreciate that because, you know, there's some things that I've been struggling to with, you know, just personally adjusting to things socially, um, you know, trying to find motivation. And, and that's an important perspective to have. If you're, if you're thinking about that 1% better every day, when you wake up in the morning, you're like, all right, how can I get a little bit better today than I was yesterday? It certainly will help you put you in a, in a more my, a positive mindset. Um, and then you'll be able to kind of game plan and work around that as well. And then, and then you'll be able to kind of give and give more than if you were just kind of stuck in your anxiety and your depression, because like you said, it's, there's a lot of uncertain times, but I think becoming more mindful and then like aware of your thoughts, um, as an athlete and as a coach or as a person in general really helps you deal with those anxieties rather than just kind of bottling them up. Right. hundred percent. Man, talk to someone. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing, right? If you're feeling down, talk to someone. There's a lot of people going through the same stuff, right? Exactly. We're all in the same boat. 
Alright man, well I appreciate you coming on today, Usama. Hopefully we can get you back on soon. We'll dive into some more coaching sure. questions, everything like that. But man, thank you so much for coming on and looking forward to having you back soon. Yes sir, appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, likewise, obviously, hopefully I can get you on mine too. We'll get you on, man. We'll get you on. I appreciate it, man. Take care. Alright sir. Bye. Bye.